Hello and welcome back to another episode of Adventures in Movies. My name is Nathaniel Mir and I'm the movie editor at AIPT. Joining me on these ongoing adventures, well, it's a little bit different this week actually, so I didn't come up with a normal opening, but who do I have this week? <laughs> uh, uh, hi, I am Danny. And uh, returning as our special guest this week is Regina. Waka waka. I don't know what that was. <laughs> Uh, welcome back. How are you both doing? Good. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit fuzzy. <laughs> I do have a question for you guys. Um, uh, I just watched uh, this weekend. I watched Corolla, and the, one of our mutual friends was like, "Good luck watching that movie." Which and, one? Uh, Corolla. Is that how you pronounce Corolla. it? Corolla. Yeah, Corolla. Yeah, yeah, okay. Cruella. Okay, yeah, I got you. I yeah, my fault. No, no, and so. In this, in the last couple of weeks, we also watched a lot of uh, sh- not the best movies out there. So I, I have a question for both of you, uh, um, and this is because we all have our, our different, like you know, different opinions on movies and stuff like that. But do you actively go seeing bad movies, or do you avoid them, or do you just take it all in? That's a really good question. Um, I never actively look for bad movies ever never ever ever do i actively look for bad movies because i don't like movies that are bad on purpose like self-aware bad movies i can't stand those and uh i don't want to watch a bad movie because then we'll get something like um uh truth or dare like i, I really thought that would be enjoyable and it was right, right, right. just like i mean i didn't think it would be like a classic or anything but no i, I actively i don't actively search for bad movies but then uh you find something that looks really silly and over the top kind of like ricky yo like that yeah. movie's just uh it's crazy and it's uh it's you know pretty bad movie you can see the wires and it's ridiculous <laughs> and over the top and stuff but that one but i i would be lying if i say i went looking for that like someone told me like oh man you gotta watch this movie uh same thing with the the room like someone was like this movie is like awful you gotta watch this movie but <laughs> like i've i've never ever gone out looking for bad movies though I don't know if I can't say I've ever gone out looking for bad movies, but I have gone out looking for a particular kind of movie. I have gone out looking for something campy, something over the top. And what I'm hoping for is a fun, enjoyable experience. Um, But when you're looking for something like that, I think you might end up with more bad than good sometimes. Uh, I also will say that when we went and saw um, Hobbs and Shaw, I I will that I did actively look for. That was like it just looks so dumb and over the top and silly and and it was all those things. But I didn't think it would be bad per se. I just thought it would be like ridiculous. So right. I don't know if that's quite the same. Yeah, like I didn't see the trailer for Veronica and go, "Wow, this is gold." But I thought, "Wow, this could be fun," and it was to an extent. It was a fun movie. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah, well, Veronica is a good example too because. Um, the reason that I wanted to see Veronica so badly was because I heard that uh, it premiered at, well, I had heard that it's like the horror version of The Room. And then I heard it premiered at some like horror film festival in Chicago and Glenn Danzig was there and um, people were laughing throughout the movie. And afterwards he was really confused as to why people were laughing because it was supposed to be scary. <laughs> so, I was like, shit, I got to see this movie. <laughs> so, I, and I, I feel like that's how I I am. Like I, I I don't definitely go looking for these bad movies. But if it's gonna if it looks bad and you know I guess family wants to see it or whatever, then you know it, it's gonna be a fifty fifty, right? Like you you're gonna enjoy it with the people that you're with, or actually enjoy the movie because expectations are probably low. Um, and I do feel like Hobbs and Shaw is that example where we were like, well, that looks dumb. We're in and. <laughs> A lot of the times it's just like that. You're like, well, that looks really, really dumb. But never have I ever. This is not. This is that's hilarious. Never have I ever like really thought, man, I'm not gonna see that because I'm too good for it. Yeah. No, I got you. I I agree with you. Like dumb fun. Yeah. Like while I don't actively look for it, if I see it, I'm like, oh, that looks like really dumb fun. Like I want to see that. But um, on the same token, like I guess there's a line because there was that. uh, what was that triple X movie called? Like the return of Xander Cage or something? Oh, like that. Yeah, yeah. That one also looked ridiculous. Uh it looked really, really stupid. And it looked like dumb fun, but it was also where I kind of was like, okay, that's like 
not gonna <laughs> meet the criteria. <laughs> so I uh, and I still haven't seen that movie actually. I don't know why, but Xander Cage actually reminded me of um, what I was thinking about earlier. I've never been a fan of like going to the public, going to public bathrooms. It's just not my thing. But uh, right. sometimes you got to drain the main vein, you know. So yeah. <laughs> go to the public bathrooms and you know before you go in there and uh, i'm sure it's happened to both of you you see people who don't wash their hands and you're like oh yeah and you're like oh that's gross and you might tell your coworkers, or if you're at a bar you tell your friends it's your way and you kind of like forget about it right you know it's just like that was gross today i saw that and i was like that there was that disgust but it was also like anger you know it's like man we just came off a year and a half pandemic and you can't spend 40 <laughs> seconds washing your hands after touching your your junk you know it, <laughs> I, I saw that a lot here in el paso and it, the thing is it was like mostly older mexican males oh i guess it has to be males right because then i feel like i'm a creep but yeah, it was the older generation and of, of mexican males that i felt like they just didn't care it was like you know like you're wearing your mask and you still you grab your fucking dick and you don't wash your hands and then you're touching other shit and this is like and in my thought process was like this is how we got here this is the reason because of people like you like, I, I mean, I've, you know, going back to when I was younger, and I've heard it throughout my life, there's, and like you said, it is an older generation, like, they're like, oh, well, I know where I've been, so it's like, okay, whatever, it doesn't work like that, but okay, cool, that's, you know, but now, like, like, I've seen, you know, for the past year and a half, I've seen people washing their hands to ridiculous degrees, you know, which isn't yeah. a bad thing. So today when I saw someone didn't do it, I was like, what the, <laughs> just like that, you know, I, I understand that some people are just decided, okay, I don't have to wear a mask anymore, or I can hang out in a room full of 50 people. But I mean, not washing your hands after taking a whiz, that seems kind of crazy to me. Yeah, it it really is. Like, I, I don't understand it. It's so gross. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to start, uh. I don't know. We're going to have to start like they had that uh, Facebook that was just like crazy people at Walmart or that website that was just, you know, people at Walmart after 1 a.m. or whatever. Going to have to start putting up people who don't wash their hands, but not while they're in the bathroom. <laughs> like, Washing hands, uh, Yeah, totally. Like not while they're in the bathroom because that's just creepy and not cool. But like, you know, while they're at their desk or getting into their car or anyway, just take a picture and put it up like a mug shot. Like <laughs> I remember reading somewhere after the pandemic started how now the lines in men's rooms were long because men were finally washing their hands. And I remember reading that and thinking, gross, I can't believe I've ever let a man touch me, ever. Well, (laughs) that's that's Whether it's shaking my hands or anything, (laughs) it just disgusts me. Well, there are, in all fairness, there are lines to men's bathrooms. And also, it does take a lot less work than than what women do because they have trouble, you know, doing simple things like unfastening a belt. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You can't have it both ways. Everyone needs to wash their hands, period. Yes, Yes, everyone wash their hands. Pandemic (laughs) or no. Yeah, pandemic or no. With if you go to a bathroom, even if you're just hanging out in there talking to someone, you should probably wash your hands afterwards. Yeah, you're gonna get pee particles attached to you. you have if to you're wash lucky. Up. If you're lucky. <laughs> so um this past weekend a quiet place two came out and it did like the biggest box office numbers yet for this year. And it's actually doing better than the uh, first one did. Uh, That's really cool, and that's all well and interesting, but that's not really what I wanted to get into. What I was going to ask you to is, I mean, summer is just starting, uh, movie Mm -hmm. season, summer movie season is is just starting. Do you think every major release is going to be a blockbuster? Because I'll tell you, I I don't think, I I don't know, blockbuster, we'll we'll talk about that right now, but I don't think there's going to be any flops this summer. (laughs) I don't think so. I I can see how, I mean, it's just an event to do anything now. So I would say that it's going to be a pretty exciting thing for any movie that comes out. So yeah, I think they're all going to be blockbusters. If not, they should be. That sounds fun. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know what? I think I'm going to be the negative Nancy in this. Regina, you actually, I want everybody to succeed, but I also don't think they're going to be making a quiet place numbers. I I feel like Godzilla started the trend. Mortal Kombat did this. Demon Slayer did this as well. Uh, these are like because I think they're big names. I think big names are gonna like bring like really a crowd to it. Yeah. Uh, I mean, 
fucking when Dune and I mean Black Widow is gonna do boo like, yeah, bucks, of course. Yeah, it's that's just gonna destroy everything out there. It's it was also Memorial Weekend, so I do feel like a lot more people were out, so they were doing just everything they they can do. You you know just to echo what uh, Regina said. Yeah, I mean every money every movie should make money like they should make their money and a little bit more but i don't i don't think that's gonna necessarily happen do you think and you're right like uh a quiet place is um i mean pandemic no pandemic that was probably gonna do very well um godzilla versus kong is one of those iffy ones so uh do you think danny so i'm I'm kind of inclined to agree with you i i don't i mean no i don't think I, obviously marvel's gonna do very well but then you got something like the green knight what do you because in a normal world like i'm assuming things never change and it came out last year i think it would have done pretty well for itself now it's getting a summer release like how do you think it'll flop i don't think it will flop per se i, I do think there that there is people waiting for this movie just kind of like how a promising young woman came out last year there's people waiting for this movie to come out and it's gonna do well you know, Promising Young Woman got it, you know, did so well that it, you know, got a nomination, you know, for it. I, I just, I don't, I think the word of mouth for Green Knight, we've been like on it for such a whole time that people kind of did forget about it, but some people haven't. And there, there is this like people like are just waiting for it to happen. Like uh, we talked about it last time with Blake that this is a movie that we, we are waiting. And that tr- last trailer that popped up was like, well, not the greatest. Yeah, it kind of gave away a lot. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think maybe in a different world, I think the Green Knight kind of would have been like King, uh, um, King, like Guy Ritchie's King Arthur. Like, it sounds like a cool idea and it's not bad, but nobody mm-hmm. sees it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I wouldn't have been surprised if the Green Knight fell into that. Um, now, like, it's it's not going to do a Quiet Place numbers and it's definitely not going to do as well as Black Widow. But um, I wouldn't be surprised if it reached the levels of um, Mortal Kombat or Godzilla versus Kong. I don't think it would have done as well before, but I mean, it's interesting. Now, I think I think what we're seeing is, uh, of course, everyone's going to go see a Marvel movie no matter what, and more people are going to see A Quiet Place than other movies. But I think what we're seeing is people, one, miss the movie theaters, mm-hmm. and the people who are going back, they're kind of like, hey, this was kind of cool. Like, I don't know why I stopped going to begin with. And they're, they're kind of returning every week. I don't know how long that's going to last, but I mean, I think it'll definitely last through the summer. Yeah, I, and I, I, I agree with you. I so in this last month, I've gone to the theaters three different times already, and I watched Mortal Kombat, Gorilla, and A Quiet Place. The, the, the one time that I was like, oh, that's right, I'm back in at the theaters is because I heard people talking. And I was at Cinemark, and I was like, man, that kind of sucks. Like, this is one thing I do miss. Like, don't miss really that much. Right. Um, and it kind of, like, brought me back to this weird reality that we're like, oh, that's right. And then with A Quiet Place, it they didn't do buffering seating. So you're just like sitting amongst a bunch of other people and you're just like a little bit nervous yeah but then it's just you're just you're like well if these people are here in theaters most likely they're fully vaccinated partially vaccinated it was really (laughs) a little bit uneasy but i do feel that like people are starting to come back they're they're coming out and because they do feel a little bit more comfortable you see everybody and this is not just the movie theaters but you know here at least in in Texas, uh, I feel like in El Paso that everybody's still wearing their mask no matter what. So we still have that precaution on top of that as well. That's true. Um, I'm a I'm so the last movie I saw was Saw, which we covered on here. The next time I go mm-hmm. to movie theaters will be um, Black Widow because uh, I mean it's a Marvel movie. You kind of mm-hmm. have to. Yeah. Also, I, I don't want to pay thirty bucks to see it. So exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and I want to see it immediately. And then after that, I'll see the Green Knight. So I won't be like before. I was like kind of like, oh, that kind of sounds cool. I'll go check it out, and, you know. Mm-hmm. And you, it's you, you get what you get. Now I'm gonna be a little more careful about it and uh, revisit it in six months and see how I feel. But <laughs> like before, I wouldn't know what I was seeing next. Now it's like okay, Black Widow and then Green Knight, and then we'll take it from there. Yeah. Um, so last month on the show for everyone who was listening and if you weren't listening then go back and do so because we're shame really on you. absolutely shame on you because you missed some really strong episodes um it was obscure horror movie remake month um one of the ones we did not talk about because the remake hasn't come out yet and i don't know if i would categorize it as obscure is um the toxic avenger remake so are you both fans of a uh, good old toxie yeah. <laughs> 
The, uh, I didn't yeah. know this was happening. I'm so excited. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Lloyd Kaufman's been talking about it for many years, but Lloyd Kaufman talks all the time about everything. Um, but it initially, and this goes way, way back, like they were going to do it with like, and they had like, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger and names like that attached to it. It was like a really big deal. And it was going to be um, sort of like the cartoon. It was going to be a little more family friendly. It was going to be PG-13. It wasn't going to be all, you know, splatter gore fest like the originals was. And then it just, you know, never got done. But um, in recent months, it's been picking up steam again. So Peter Dinklage is going to be in it. Jeremy Trambley, um, but and this, this this last one is a big time rumor. The villain supposedly is going to be Elijah Wood. That is, I like it. I like it too. I I I <laughs> want I want crazy Elijah Wood. He's awesome. Like uh, if you've seen Come to Daddy, uh, it's a toned down crazy. And and who knows? It might be a, a, a I don't know what kind of villain they'll have. It's a it's from Legendary Pictures, so it's not going to be through Trauma. So I don't know how much of a difference that'll make, but. Uh, he, I mean, Elijah Wood's a good actor. Like, I don't know how crazy he'll get with it. He can get crazy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, we we seen we seen him get crazy. Um, and if it, it, it's a pretty good pick, I, I think he would do great. In it. Like, I um, my only it's not a concern. My hope is that they make sure to stick to the campiness of it. They can make it. I mean, there's one. It's one thing to be a comedy and an adventure comedy or a horror comedy or whatever, mm-hmm. but it's totally another thing to be camp. Troma has that formula down pat. They did such a good job with it to to the point to where I see movies now and I'm like, oh, it's like a Troma movie, like um like that Psycho Gorman movie. Like yeah. They're like, yeah. oh, it's 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 a modern day Troma movie. It's like it's like Coca-Cola, you know, he just every every soda is Coke. Uh, <laughs> every every campy horror movie is like a Troma movie to me. So I hope if and when this comes out, um it's in production now, so I mean it will come out. I hope they're they're able to manage to keep that campy feeling to it. I hope so. And, and I like that um, the direction Elijah Wood's career is taking because he just seems to be involved in a bunch of really like crazy guess, shit. Yeah, <laughs> whether it's behind the scenes producing or in it. So I don't know. I'm excited to see where this goes. That career is just getting crazier and crazier, and and I do feel like the campiness. We could get something like Cabin in the Woods. Is it Cabin in the Woods? Yeah, Cabin in the Woods. Where you know it's a little bit off the wall. That's fine. Like we need more. We need more campiness. That that's just. I think where movies are being too serious. Like it. Like Christopher Nolan made the movie all superhero movies too serious. We lost all that kind of camp. There's a there's a big market for that. I think like uh, I mean, we've talked about it on the show before. Like horror movies have gotten. I mean, there's always been serious horror movies. Um, mm-hmm. Well, what do they call them? Like not not prestige horror, um, elevated horror. I mean, there's always been that, and there's a very strong market for that. And those are some really good horror movies. But uh, the other end of that is when you go. I mean, there's B horror, but then you go beyond that to like <laughs> stuff like Trauma, which is just ridiculous and over the top, and I think really fun. And uh, going back to Elijah Wood, like I I, lo- I love when actors take risks. Um, Sometimes mm-hmm. it works, sometimes it But, like, Robert Pattinson, I think, is a great example of someone who, uh, you know, he made his Twilight money and he just decided to do whatever it was he felt like doing, which I think is awesome. And I really agree, I agree with both of you. I think it's cool that Elijah Wood is, uh, uh, he has that small company that he works with, uh, XYZ Films. Um, I think it's cool that he does that stuff. Uh, I think the roles that he takes are, <laughs> I think they're really risky for a actor of his caliber. And I think it's really cool that he's willing to do that with his career. Well, and people trust him. That's why, because he's already, he already had, he has that Hobbit money as well, you know. So it's like, well, I could, pl- he, he doesn't have to play it safe necessarily because he already knows what he's going into. And a lot of studios will back that up. It, it's just what it seems like. He's like, all right, we'll trust your craziness. If I remember correctly, both of you are fans of musicals, right? Yes. Okay. So music, movies go together very well it's been like that since like the beginning of cinema is there any two things that go together better than horror horror movies and metal music that is a match made in heaven yeah it's meant to be right so we have cradle of filth's front man danny filth in a horror movie possibly called baphomet um we'll get into (laughs) the title of that movie later basically it is a about what is this movie about gosh it's about a satanic cult that is trying to take somebody's land uh, i mean that's the most that I, 
yeah. that's that's what I got out of it. So, so the first warning about this movie is that uh, one we're gonna talk about it. it's a spoiler warning we're going to talk about it we won't get too deep into it um i don't think there's really anything we can ruin but uh, we are going to discuss plot points so if you've never seen the movie and you're really looking forward to seeing this movie uh you don't have to worry you can listen to us and not nothing will be ruined at all my second warning is um if you're a cradle of filth fan this might not be the movie you want to see because uh danny, <laughs> filth, has, he's, danny filth has about I don't know, ten, eight or nine minutes. Yeah, ten minutes yeah, maybe of screen minutes, time. All of it over the computer, um, maybe due to COVID. So I mean, that's. <sighs> but um, anyhow, let's get into this movie, and we may as well start with the characters. Did you guys? Uh, there's there's a good amount of characters in this, and I'm not counting yes. like the cult members and everything. Like, uh, did you guys think there was too many characters? Was it cool for for the story? Yeah, I think there was, <laughs> and they were all very distinct characters. So I think there was just enough characters where you uh. They really leave an impression on you, so I think it was funny. <laughs> an impression that is a that is very good. Uh, yeah, they have an impression on you. They they really do leave an impression on you, especially Danny Phillips' character. Uh, yeah, it was fine. I think it it, it needed that that small but cast, I guess, or medium cast, whatever it is. It um, it's funny when you say leave an impression because the uh, so the very first thing I noticed character wise was when they introduced an a guy called Excel Parander. And I was like, what kind of name is Excel Parander? And then it turns out his name is Axel Brander. I, I just looked up his name. It's Axel spelled A-K-S-E-L. So really over the top and ridiculous. Ooh, with it. Extra edgy. Very yeah. much. It, this is, it's not Axel. It's Axel. It's not a phase, Mom. It's a lifestyle. Very much so. <laughs> So, um, let's see, we got the main girl, her father, uh, boyfriend, who is the hero? Oh, husband, that's right, husband, Husband. that's right, husband, so who is the hero of this movie? Because you can make the, at least, it seemed to me like it was changing constantly. Yeah, so I, for how the movie started, I thought it was going to be the father, and I was okay with it i was confused because it made it seem like it was gonna be the daughter right yes and that's the same order that i thought too i was like okay father's the hero because he's not gonna sell his land to this dirty axel brander (laughs) person (laughs) and then uh you're right it seemed like it was gonna be the daughter because she has to go through a lot of things and she's so brave to enter her apartment without telling anybody and mm-hmm. then it seems like it's going to be her husband, um, who I guess you can... He was the third and final hero, so I guess he was the ultimate hero of the movie? Mm, yeah. So I feel like this movie jumped a lot of writing processes, I guess. They had a writing process where like, okay, we're going to do this, and then we're going to do this, and then we're definitely going to do this. And then it just, like, as they were writing down the script, it went completely out the window. <laughs> That's actually a good point. I want to uh, hold on to that thought because I do want to get into the story okay. of this movie, of uh, okay. what, what there is, because you bring up a really good point. Regina, were you going to say something about the hero? Well, I think it's I think it's the husband, and, of course, he did help some help from someone who just comes up in the middle of the movie. So Yes, there is also, <laughs> I forgot, there is actually a, a fourth person in there too. So. Um, I think, and I don't know if you guys agree with me, but I think the standout part of this movie are the performances. At the beginning, I mentioned that I believe this movie was called Baphomet because many times he's referred to as Satin, like the sheets. <laughs> So it may well be that uh, he was just speaking in a cool accent and giving uh, Satan slash Satan his due respect. Then he refers to him as Lucifer. Lucifer. <laughs> Lucifer. <laughs> so it got me wondering if the name of this movie is Baphomet or Baphomet. <laughs> Baphomet. So I think it might be Baphomet only because I remember reading a while back that you know how like a uh, Satanism is supposed to be like the inversion or like the 
perversion of like Christian stuff. So yeah. uh, like in Raider Cross, I remember reading somewhere that it's supposed to be like sort of like a, a bastardization of of Muhammad, the prophet. So uh, I guess if it sounds like Muhammad, it could be Muhammad, but I don't know. I'm not that hardcore to really know, guys. So I, but that's... <laughs> that, that's super interesting. You're that's, worried. Uh, <laughs> that's actually, you put more thought into this movie than the writers did. I think. Yeah. One of the best performances in this movie, if not the best performance, was uh, The Doctor. In an Give that absolute... guy all the awards. Sorry. <laughs> Just a standout moment. Um the uh wife i am mean, she uh gets bitten by a snake and the doctor has to deliver bad news and it's obvious that as a character this doctor has apparently never delivered bad news <laughs> and as an actor this person has possibly never been in a movie before because it's it's Gosh, I don't. I really don't want to. Basically, uh, he's explaining what happened to another character, and the character is in shock. He's like, "What? What? Like, not not a literal. What can you repeat that? But like a what? I can't believe you're saying that." And the doctor just repeats it, but louder. louder. So like, <laughs> just a fantastic moment. This is a fantastic bit of film. I absolutely loved it. It's um, a shame that that was the only... I believe that's the only scene he was in. It well, was, I, but man, it's memorable. <laughs> it, it, it's a really standout. My, my favorite uh, acting moment in this movie was it's the, the, the husband and the wife and just they're t- given this really deep monologue of what they're going to do with the daughter or what's going to happen to the daughter. And it's so stiff. All of that is just seems so fake. Like it, like they didn't rehearse, they didn't do anything, and uh, for the longest time, like the father was like my favorite character because I was like, this guy obviously doesn't care to deliver his lines. Yeah, he's pretty, and he, it's really funny too about the character how inconsistent he is too because in the beginning he's talking to his daughter who's pregnant and he tells her, um, "You're having a boy. It better be a boy." He's joking, right? But like he's obviously this like redneck, you know. <laughs> ultra macho dude yeah and uh she mentioned she might name him homer and the guy's like oh don't you name him don't you do that type of thing because i guess it sounds too close to homo or something for him and he doesn't want his his son to grow up in a weird way to him Uh, and then he turns out to be like the stand-up guy it's really weird uh danny you mentioned uh danny filth uh what did you two think of his performance didn't he look so innocent and cute for someone named danny filth (laughs) Oh, he looked so beautiful, and he was sipping a little cup of tea. It was so adorable, pinky up, I think, if I remember correctly. Maybe not. Uh, on, did you notice what it said on the cup? Uh, I'm oh. only half evil. Yeah, three, three, three. I'm yeah. only half evil. Yeah, 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 yeah. I thought that was a very cute cup. I'm glad that we only got ten minutes of him, because I, I yes. that was also very hard to watch. <laughs> 10 minutes was, yeah, that, and also over the computer, whether that was the plan or not, I think worked out for the best. I think we got a taste of Danny Phil's acting ability when the daughter is asking him if he knows a white witch. And I guess he's supposed to be like thinking or confused or pondering whether to share this information with her. But he's just kind of holding his hand over his mouth mm-hmm. like he's holding back a burp. It looks like so bad, and he's just kind of, you're kind of like, what's wrong with it? Are you okay? Do you have to throw up? Like, but I, it's supposed to be this, uh, I guess it's supposed to be this, like, do I trust this person with this mm-hmm. ultimate knowledge? <laughs> <laughs> well, I might know some, but with his shitty fucking English accent. Um, no, I, it, it was so bad that it, it it didn't come out. It's It made it seem like, all right, I'll tell you. I'll tell you my secrets. It was very, again, nobody here rehearsed. There was no direction whatsoever of what to do. Yeah, it was very well, very poorly done. Um, and a, another great part in this movie, and then we'll move on, is when the, <laughs> the climactic scene, it's a battle between uh, good and evil involving Satanists and witches. So, of course, the only way you can end it is in a gunfight. Um <laughs> The, uh, when the cops are there and the radio isn't working and the and the, the cop says, my radio is not working. It's all fucked up. Just like, 
it's like very whatever in this like battle between God and the devil, basically. So this movie and Danny, you kind of touched on it. The, the story you were talking about how it's like they had an idea and then they threw it out. I thought that um, I, I, I think I, I think kind of similar to you. I think whatever idea they had, they just totally threw stuff out because everything is just straight to the point in this movie. It's just like da 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 da. Like, um, oh, um, we're like we're cursed. Oh, we're cursed. That means Axel did it. Oh, Axel did it. That means. There are Satanists. Oh, I better go get a witch now. Like it's just very... yeah, yeah. There's no explanation. There's no, you know, you know. Some movies do ha- like hold your hand, and that's fine. And I feel like this movie needed to hold our hands a little bit more. But also for something that like where it's less than an hour. Yeah, less uh, right at the hour mark. It, it needed to do like very like it didn't have to explain a lot of things. So it was like, all right, we're here now. Like, you're they're solving all these puzzles, like all all on their own. Fine. It was. It's just not a good way to give me thirty more minutes, and you could maybe explain it a little bit more. I I'm fine with that. You don't have to. Maybe budget. It was probably just budget. <laughs> Spent it all on Danny Filth. Well, if if you yeah, give it yeah. thirty more, if you give it thirty more minutes, it might make some sense. Um, this movie has some like Ready Player One stuff going on, like. There's a problem, and immediately someone knows the answer. Immediately. There's absolutely no tension in this movie whatsoever. What do you mean? It has tension. When is this movie going to be over? That's more that great an- tension. That's more anticipation. Anticipation. Okay. Well, um, I, I got it. For me, guys, I don't really see it as. I don't really feel like I, I think <laughs> I'm going to say this. I think the acting was great. I think they were working with what they had, but it's the story. And like you said, there's some things that have like, there's no tension. All of a sudden there's this issue and then it gets resolved right away. But also people don't act like they're supposed to. Like, it's just like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm okay now. It's all over, you know? And I, I think that's more like, we don't need character development or anything, I guess, in this movie, right? Because, like, um, that poor uh, wife who's been through so much, uh, she's traumatizing. You flip a switch. Other bad things have happened to her, but she's cool. Like, she's happy again. <laughs> like, she's laughing. She's having living, like, her best life ever. And it just, nothing makes sense anymore. But I don't know. I, 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 <laughs> I appreciate the, the running time, too. I think that also adds yeah. a lot to my enjoyment of the film because if that thing had stretched out anymore, it would have been like, nah, I don't know if I can still enjoy this, but it was a pretty yeah. enjoyable experience. So. You add 30 minutes and you get a backstory, but that's maybe not necessarily a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> I think this thing served its purpose at the hour mark, um, even though it's incredibly vague as to what's going on. Um I, I, there's um, a cult and I something uh, Baphomet is buried beneath the land or something and uh, yeah I have I, I'm not even sure what anybody had to do with anything to be honest with you but um, there was some pretty cool kills in it uh, what did you, what did you guys think of the <laughs> what do you guys think of this the the practical effects there was one or two good ones. there was a very cool face melting scene I loved it oh that was loved good. It. It was really, really good. I again, money could have gone straight to like special effects as well or practical effects. It, it was, it was fun. It was good. I, I was like, oh, finally something good in this movie. Well, it's clear that the money went to two things. I, I, I'm assuming that uh, some of that budget went to Danny Felth, and I'm assuming a big chunk of it went to the shark attack scene because they yeah. showed it constantly. <laughs> Yeah. Like the same three seconds they kept showing, and also the body they showed a bunch of times too. That body, that was pretty fucking gnarly. Um, that was the first time that I was like, "That's," I was like, "That's like cow intestines or something," because uh, it 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 was pretty gnarly. I I really do have to say, like in the beginning of the movie, I was kind of invested, even though like the the shark attack was you know funky at best, but it was it was pretty <laughs> it was pretty interesting. I was. I was really interested in the first like what twenty minutes of this movie. It uh the 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 body wasn't bad wasn't bad at all. I yeah. uh, kind of wish they would show it in more than just like really quick two second clips or mm-hmm. not even that long. It was just, like a second flash across the scene, but a uh, screen. But um who knows? It might have been better that they did that. Who knows how it would have looked <laughs> if I got a full on look at it? Um, surprisingly, 
I, I thought there were moments of this movie where it actually looked like it had a budget. Like the camera work was pretty good and the lighting wasn't bad at all for the most part. And we've seen some horror movies where it's dark and not dark like, ooh, that's maybe that's dark and spooky, like someone forgot to flip a switch. But uh yeah. this movie it actually I thought was lit and it looked very good. Yes, I agree. I really do agree. I, I don't think there was a, a, a lot of bad shots. I do really think the dir- I guess the director had his visions of how he was doing lighting and everything. Everybody kind of cooperated with that. I really do think where the, again, just the director dropped his ball in actually giving any kind of direction on the actors. All right. Well, let's, uh, final thoughts here, Regina. I'll start with you since you're, you're our guest. Uh, Bofomet, see or no see, it's available right now on video on demand. Oh, see. Everyone must see. <laughs> Straight to the point, <laughs> just like the movie. And, uh, Danny, what about you, uh, Baphomet? See or no see? Uh, this is a no see. I, yeah, this is a no see whatsoever. Uh, there's, I, I, I can't recommend this for anybody to watch this. Stay away from this. <laughs> this, uh, this kind of brings it all back to how Danny unintentionally brought this up at the very beginning of the show, asking if we actively look for bad movies. Um, this movie just, you know, happened to come my way, come our way. Heard about, you know, Cradle of Filth and seemed like a funny thing mm-hmm. to watch. And uh, I think it's a C. Like, it's really funny. It, it, this goes back to the campy and horror comedy. It's absolutely not campy. And it's very much meant to be serious. It's not a comedy. Uh, but it's not made to be bad. It's not purposely bad. It's just... It's a fun watch. It really is. I For all the things that I said about it that were awful about it, that's what makes it so charming. I mean, the fact that this poor farmer lives in this amazing estate is just awesome to me. So this movie, absolutely, you should see it. Uh, many times on this show, we've talked about Stephen King movies and adaptations. We joke about them because they're constantly coming out. Um, some of them are really good. Some of them are really bad. Some of them are nostalgic favorites like Pet Cemetery. Stephen King movies run the gamut of opinions. One thing you don't get very often is a Stephen King movie that um, people don't ever talk about good or bad. Uh, this week, it's the first week of Evil Twins Month, and we are covering a movie that um, features the two horror legends, Stephen King and George A. Romero. No, we're not doing Creep Show, unfortunately. <laughs> we are talking about The Dark Half from 1993. There's horror tropes and there's Stephen King tropes. Very quickly, we get some Stephen King tropes in this movie. Um, I'm sure you guys picked up on them. We got a young writer in 1968 right, <laughs> right off the bat in Castle Rock. So what did you guys think of that? Well, first of all, I didn't know we were watching. Uh, this was my first time watching this movie. Right off the bat to me, it was uh, shocking to find out it was a Stephen King movie and a George A. Romero movie. I was like, oh, cool. Like They've already done this probably like twice before this or once before this i think before that so i was like all right this is this is gonna be fun this is this this is gonna be good i i I didn't have anything to really like think about like i was just ready to watch this movie well unlike the other one (laughs) when i i mean i I actually was a little bit excited well you see george a romero and stephen king and it's immediately like oh my gosh this is gonna be awesome but um when it was set in 1968 and then there's a young writer like i immediately got really excited because um whether you like Stephen King or not, like one thing you really can't deny is he knows how to write a coming of age story. Yeah, and yeah. he really does. Yeah, he really does. Now, unfortunately, we don't get that here. Like it, it jumps ahead, what, 27 years or whatever. And uh, we're introduced to our main character, Timothy Hutton, playing uh, Thad uh, Bro, Brobane, Brisbane. Bo- Beaumont. 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 Thad Beaumont. So, characters. There's really not a lot of them. Well, there's a lot, but there's not really a lot that we're actually um, exposed to. So what did you think of the characters in this movie? I mean, I I like the characters in the sense that, like, okay, so, like, 
I saw the instructor, he's a writer, and I was kind of already laughing because he's that writer, you know, he's that professor, he's the cool one, you know, you have to expect him to rip up all the books in the air and say, you don't need these, yeah. life's your education, you know, but uh, <laughs> I really liked his wacky professor friend, uh, Reggie, and um, and, I, and his wife is just fine, I think it's kind of um, interesting, the town they're living in, well, they're in Castle Rock, right, they have those, uh, they had that, a photographer come along, right, and that guy starts acting like very, he's sort of off the wall too. Um, I thought he was kind of neat in his, uh, like in his, uh, oh my God, I can't think of the word. He was folksy as <laughs> folksy, well. Folksy, that's what yeah, he was. That, yeah, that's what I thought of. Yeah, yeah, the, the photographer, then you had the writer. Um, and I, I just kind of like appreciate their small town, but super quirkiness, very, very Stephen King kind of quirky. And um so overall, everyone who's in there, I'm, I'm enjoying the cast of players for the most part. You missed a very important character. Oh my gosh, which one did I miss? George. How could George I forget Star. George? Yeah, that's, he's the he's villain. Louise. Yeah. Yes. I have uh, some well, problems with George, but we can talk about that. Well, let's talk about <laughs> it. So let's start with his hair. <laughs> all right first all of right. all this is the 90s you can't you can't like... but well it was the 90s except he was dressed like it was uh the 40s or 50s which is fine because i think that's where that character was supposed to be from mm-hmm. um i guess he also could have been doing a rockabilly thing but um i was more concerned about the amount of grease in his hair the outfit was pretty cool the boots were awesome he looked like he should be called snake like that should be his name, Snake. Yeah. Or, 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 or um, um, what's his face from it? Uh, was it Burp? Was that his name? Belch. 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 Yeah. Yeah. He like he looked like him. The makeup. How I, I thought it was awful when he was when he was just when they first showed him. Like I guess the big reveal that yes, it is in fact Timothy Hutton. I thought the makeup was awful when they showed it. <laughs> well. I kind of like that because he's supposed to be like the the bad version. So he kind of does look like a weird nightmarish version of a person because he doesn't really look like a a human person at all. But uh, yeah, his look is pretty interesting. Uh, I just have some issues with his whole being, but we'll... Again, we'll talk about that. <laughs> well, what are you referring to when you yeah, say Yeah, yeah, what are you referring Yeah, His existence. So, like... Oh, I'm, okay, yeah that, yeah. that part... Okay, that I thought you meant him as a person. I see what you're saying. Yeah, we'll get into the whole... What the hell is George... Um, what is it, Stark? <laughs> we'll, we'll get into all that. Um, yeah. So, the professor, uh, Reggie. What was she a professor of? A friendship. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's a really good guess. <laughs> Well, she seems to be a professor because she walked around in wacky clothing and carried big books with her and was a professor of books, apparently, (laughs) of enormous tomes. So I didn't quite understand what her job was either, and I was wondering if you guys did. I I imagine she was like an anthropologist, maybe, or... Well, when um, she's talking about the land of the dead or the sparrows, um, she brings out that big book, and she's holding it with two hands and looking through it. And it, it made me think of like a curio shop, like where you would buy a gremlin in Chinatown type of thing. <laughs> so I'm thinking she was a professor of like folklore, something to that effect. Mm. Um, that's my, I'm totally guessing, totally, totally guessing. But just based on the types of books, her wackiness, like, because they always portray those types of characters as goofy and nutty. She, I mean, she was driving like a dirty old VW Beetle and stuff. So, I mean, I'm. They never, ever say, so you have to, I mean, unless I missed it, but um, kept, I, I'm assuming it's something to do with folklore. Um, we've all kind of, uh, the, the sheriff, uh, Michael Rooker, um, very important character. Yes. He was great. I love that guy. Except he was just really bad at his job, I think. Yeah, we're going to get to that too. <laughs> yeah, yeah he, he was. He was really bad at his As a character, yeah, a great performer. I mean, he's such a good actor, and he can play you know heroes and he can play the, the slimiest villains like in henry portrait of a serial killer but i mean great actor great performance not a great peace officer <laughs> um, so well he even questioned like why he would let him like go multiple times so he, he even you know questions his like motives so well yeah. let, let's let's just jump into it because we've danced around a couple of things so uh okay 
the and and this is from 1993 so we're gonna go all in on spoilers if we haven't already <laughs> so um <laughs> just a spoiler warning after the fact but this is from like you know almost 30 years ago uh, um so yeah he uh, it's, it's pretty much an open and shut case it would seem like from the outside um thad is obviously the killer they have um dead to rights fingerprints um i think yeah well the fingerprints that's the big thing uh yeah. witnesses he doesn't have an alibi this guy is obviously guilty the sheriff knows that he's guilty yet he never ever takes him down to the station i don't think we see i don't think he sees the inside of a police station one time in this movie what did you guys think of that part of the movie that is some white privilege bullshit he even mm-hmm. brought him some beer Mm-hmm. <laughs> he did share a beer with him <laughs> as he's talking about <laughs> how guilty he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, there's there is some white privilege in there. It's also 1990, 1993, I guess I'm going to assume in this timeline. But uh, you know, a lot of the the what Thad was doing, he was like providing all these these leads, and still like. By this point, you know, if I was Michael Rooker, I would be like, "All right, dude, you know a little bit too much. Let's just, let's just, let's just take you to get questioned for reals. Uh, we could bring the beers along. We could still keep this fun, but let's keep you <laughs> in a cell. You know, well, it takes them forever. I, I think like three, maybe four people are dead before they even station a cop outside their home. Yeah." And then someone dies in New York, like his agent is killed. And then they're like, okay, well, we know for sure you didn't do that one because you were here. But they could have easily, from the very beginning, after the very first one, this could have been solved really quickly. Throw him in jail. One or two people die. Obviously, it's not him. Problem solved. (laughs) Then you got, and then I know how it is in movies. It's like, well, if you do that, then you don't have a story. Absolutely not. You don't have the, you don't have the tension of, uh, or you don't have that um um what is it the uh, animosity between the cops and and Thad, but that's not a big part of the story anyway. Like you still have the mystery of what the hell is going on. Mm-hmm. Like it's kind of a weird decision to make. I don't know. Stephen King really off his game in this one. The thing that drives the plot to me makes absolutely no sense. And yes, it's 1993, but I don't understand why some rando going up to a professor and saying hey i'm gonna expose you as the writer of these pulp novels why that would be a bad thing like why was he so worried about what was gonna happen i mean he's talking about like him and his family having to live in the poorhouse and stuff (laughs) i guess he's this money i guess in this world stephen king has created he it was making him buku bucks, right? He was just raking it all in. Like he was, uh, yeah, he was a best-selling author. Like yeah, he, he was like uh, uh, Scrooge McDuck. He was like swimming in fucking coin. Like I think that's how popular he was. Like that he was making money off of what three books? I think what right? And oh, there's quite a few of them. Oh, okay. So I thought it was just three. But either way, like exposing his reality, like his his true, like true, like person. No, no, I understand that, but like, why is it a problem? I guess he wants to be in that coin bank so much. Why? Why would it stop? He was done. He had already quit writing them. He was done with it. Like he he was actually working on a book under his real name. So what difference would it make if they exposed him as the writer of these? This wasn't racist stuff. He wasn't writing child pornography. He was just writing pulp noir. Yeah, you know. they were just fun books. I thought that was a very like weak narrative device it didn't really make sense that this is what would set him off and not only is it like just it's not a small thing either this is what sets the whole book the up. whole movie yeah yeah or movie yeah because because he's afraid of being exposed he decides oh i'm gonna beat him to the punch that's actually you know a pretty common tactic that makes sense like if i'm in order to stop the blackmailer i'm just gonna get let get put the news out there um except in this case it's just you know i wrote under a pseudonym which again makes no sense especially since stephen king wrote under that richard uh whatever name yeah richard rollback or whatever and he, you know, it's fine. They they reprint those books and make movies out of them. It makes no difference, and he knows that. But because he's 
exposed himself, he's going to kill his pseudonym. And this is what causes his alter ego pseudonym, whatever, to... And then this is where it gets really weird. I guess it comes to life? Or I, I don't understand what, what George is. Like, and I guess this is what you were alluding to earlier, Regina. Yeah, like, okay, so first of all, um, say what it is. Uh, as it turns out, when he's a little boy, he gets headaches because he's got a twin growing out of his brain, right? Yes. <laughs> so it's nice and gruesome. We see his brain. They're opening up his skull. They see his brain, and they find an eye. They find a cavity. They find all kinds of crazy things in his head. Which is they pretty cool. Him, yeah, <laughs> that part's cool. So yeah. I'm like, cool, let's see what happens. But you're really expecting more of a basket head scenario? At this point, because, like, you know, it's a physical twin in his head, like an actual physical twin that was removed like a tumor. So I don't understand how He's like a ghost. A a ghost, a full-grown man who's not just a... Yeah, yeah, you're right. It's weird. It could really only go one of two ways, like you said. It could either be a basket case, I think is what you meant to say. Um, Yes. A basket... It could either be a basket case situation or it could have been – I think what would have been more interesting is it could have been him all along. And it's like his dark half, his dark side, his literal bad person. It's him. He just has a split personality for lack of a better term. Yeah. But instead they go all in on I, – I, I really don't know what he is. He's not a spirit. People can see him. Um, I, And then they say that he's – an invention of the right is is a manifestation of his darker tendencies, I guess. But they already shown that he actually was a. Uh, I guess you can argue whether he was living or not, but he was a, a supposed to be an actual person. So how can he be a manifestation of his dark side? That's what was throwing me off too. Oh, this is a good, no, this is just a good question. Like, yeah, I, I don't know. I guess I wasn't thinking about this at this point. <laughs> well, it's because the reason, well, I just, the whole movie, I'm watching it and I'm like, because I'm waiting for an explanation. And I'm really thinking that like, oh, like Thad, you know, he's thinking that he has two personalities because, yeah, but mm-hmm. it's, he obviously doesn't. He's obviously doing it. And then, you know, it turns out that in fact, they're, it's not two personalities. It's two distinct people. Um, that's when it got really confusing to me because they never really explain what he is. Like, you have no idea what George is. Um, I think there is a half-ass explanation that they throw together in there. Something like, uh, I don't know, like, we all have a good and bad. And if you feed too much into the bad, the bad comes to life. And the sparrows will come and take you away to the land of the dead if you're the loser or something. Like, none of it makes sense. It's just a bunch of, like, it's like in the, it's like in the Star Trek movies, um, the new ones where they just throw out all these scientific terms that don't mean anything at all. It's like, oh, they... <laughs> it it's also adds to like the, um, I don't know. I kind of don't care for that to begin with. And I think that might be because, um, well, you know, his wife says you get different when you writing your books. And then he even says, I have like a different part of me when I'm writing my books. And you see him playing with his baby and he's saying something crazy. Like he's going to cut off that guy's pecker and stick it in his mouth as he tickles his baby's cheek. And it's like, man, you're messed up. Like, (laughs) so we have the perfect setup for it to be like, you know, like a darker side of his personality or something like that. But that's not what he is though, which is weird. (laughs) No, it's it's, it's really strange. It's a really big missed opportunity, I think, for some supernatural, like, keep gab um <laughs> so this movie like nowadays movies run you know two two and a half hours and it's like whatever so this movie is almost two hours 1993 uh, what did you guys think about it boy was that long <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I i i was i was thoroughly enjoying this film but at one point i was like man this movie is like should be wrapping up soon and i think i'm like I was texting you, Pat, and I was like, I still have 45 minutes to go. Like, what the fuck? Like, everything just seemed like it was kind of like wrapping up. It, 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 I, you, you know, like, unlike a Bahumet or whatever, this one needed it. It needed like a half hour cut off, maybe 45 minutes, because it was, it, it, it explained everything. It ran its course, you know. I think it, it was, it offered its state to, to, to be there a little bit too long. Yeah, it was like we need to we need to cut that. That I think that's my only negative thing that I have for this movie that it was too long. 
or or I would say don't explain anything like you just did, but do it in yeah. half the amount of time. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. To have yeah. have some respect for my time. Um, <laughs> so um, we uh, we talked. We you know we've kind of like shit on this movie, but there it's not all bad. George Romero, um, he definitely brings a distinct feel and look to the movie. I would say at least. Definitely, yeah. I mean, it's still a it's still a cool looking movie. Um, and there's still like you know there's really good scenes in it too like uh, there's George whatever he is um, whenever he attacks uh, he doesn't mess around it's it's these are good scenes still um, the parts that are supposed to scare you work I think I it's very like a, I really in, I've always liked this about like Stephen King films but like also about like um you know whenever you set a movie in a small town I really enjoy the way this the, the setting itself and I think that's very appropriate to the story being told but uh I there's a lot to definitely like about it Timothy Hudden's very dreamy in it when he's not George but um but there's also like a lot to not like about it too <laughs> he um George Romero like we I was talking about the makeup earlier and I didn't think of it how you did Regina Regina about how he's like a nightmarish version of him I thought it looked really bad um <laughs> The flip side of that is towards the end of the movie when George is kind of, um, I guess, withering away or he's like cracking, literally, he's falling apart in front of our eyes. Like that makeup looks awesome when he's zombifying pretty much. It looks yeah. great. And then um, we, you guys were talking about the surgery scene in the beginning with uh, the eyeball opening up in the brain, like really cool scene and then the last scene which i think nowadays people might look at it and think like oh that looks so goofy or maybe not i don't know i think the scene where the sparrows are ripping them apart at the end that looked really cool too that was was a cool scene that was a cool i i like both both bird seeds the the beginning one i was actually uh working near birdcage i guess and they were kind of floating around as those birds were like that swarm of Oh, that flock of birds were just coming out in the beginning of the film. I was, and I just look over. I was like, "Please, guys, don't get any ideas because that's already." You have pretty- an evil twin in your brain. I do. <laughs> Holy shit! <laughs> that explains a lot now, actually. <laughs> um, birds are a common thing in in horror, not a Stephen King trope. That's the birds are a horror trope, and yeah, they're always scared. You're right, Danny. That opening scene. Um, I guess it's not the opening opening, but the, yeah, well, yeah, it's in the opening, uh, yeah, where yeah. the, yeah, it's still in the sixties, like when all the sparrows hitting the window, really cool. And then at the end when they're attacking the cabin, like super cool stuff there. So, I mean, there are some really good visual effects in this movie. Like, absolutely there are. Um, so the dark half 2003, it's available on, no, it's not available on Hulu. It's, it's, out, available, it's available through, uh, cinema, Cinemax through Hulu. Exactly. Or you can get it on Fandango, Voodoo, a bunch of other places you can rent it. But um, Regina, you're our guest, so I'll start with you. The Dark Half, C or no C? I'm going to say yeah. Why not? Because, like you said, it's one of those uh, Stephen King movies where this story kind of gets forgotten about. And um, I think it's one to see still. It's not going to be up there like with the ranks of It or Pet Cemetery, but I think it, it's one to check out. And uh, Daddy, what about you? Uh, see or no see the dark half? Yeah, I definitely say see this movie. Um, I don't know. Yeah, it is not mentioned as much of a lot of other Stephen King movies out there. But I do feel like, watch it. I do think the special effects in it, the, we didn't talk about where we have both Timothy Huddens in the, in, in the same shots. And I thought that was really, really cool. Yeah, definitely give this movie a try. Um, unless you're a Stephen King completionist, I would say no C for this one. Um, yeah, George Romero is a legend, and Stephen King, you know, an icon of horror. But this movie just—it's just so frustrating, and it, it gets so far off the rails that it kind of ruins the enjoyment for anyone but like the most ardent Stephen King fan. Every Saturday, you can find us here. We're a part of the Morbidly Beautiful Podcasting Network. They have tons of good horror podcasts, and we happen to be one of them, so check it out. Um, we also have an open review policy, so feel free to let us know what we should watch. And while you're doing that, uh, you can also follow us on Twitter over at Adventures at uh, Adventures in Movies. Sorry. Uh, you can also find Nathaniel or Pat, as I like to call him, over on Instagram at Nathan Portaste. So you could also find me, Danny, on Twitter and Instagram at default underscore player. You could also find the mysterious Blake on Twitter at Four Eyed Horror and Regina, where can we find you? 
You can find me on Twitter at RegChavez1127. <laughs> cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and this is the part where uh, Blake is usually uh, talking about a clue that we're going to talk about next week. I have one clue for you guys, and it is um, Mommy. You can find this on uh, you can find this on Apple Podcasts. Uh, you can find this on Spotify. You can go to Amazon Music. They have podcasts podcasts now. We are one of them. Or you can just go to Morbidly Beautiful and check us out wherever you listen to us. Make sure to give us a rating or just tell a friend to listen. Regina, thank you very much for joining the show. Thanks for having me. Hail Saturn, guys. <laughs> <laughs> and that's our cue. We will talk to you next week. The sparrows will take you. 